Welcome to Dead Folks Tales. I am your host, author Nola Nash. I am the author of the Crescent City series, which takes place in New Orleans. And we are talking about the cities of the dead, New Orleans Cemetery today. And I am so excited to have my good friend and author with me today, Laura Kemp, who likes to include a little bit of uh, the spooky in her books as well. So Laura, thank you so much for joining me on Dead Folks Tales today. Thanks for asking me. I'm very happy to be here. Way ahead of Halloween too. So it's never too early to be spooked. No, that's sort of my mantra. <laughs> so, Halloween? That's not a season. <laughs> That's like Every all the time. Year. I know. <laughs> Every day. And when you live in New Orleans or you're, you know, you go down to New Orleans all the time, there is no non-spooky time. I mean, they do the ghost tours and cemetery tours all year long. So you can absolutely go get your, your spook on anytime when you're down there. I love it. I absolutely love it. So today, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the cities of the dead, which is what we refer to the cemeteries in New Orleans um, as. And we call them that because they're above ground. And that's they look like little miniature cities, all these little buildings and little streets that walk through. And we'll talk about a little bit why they're built that way. Part of it has to do with there was a European style that solved a problem. And so we'll talk about that here in just a second. If you've not ever seen the cemeteries, I am going to give you some, some pictures to follow along. We'll have some visual features. Yes, that's right. We need visual aids, especially if you've never seen them. <laughs> yes. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're going, what are they talking about? I want to see the pictures. Go to YouTube, <laughs> go to Authors on the Air and look for Dead Folks Tales and you will find the video that goes with this. So you'll have the pictures, have the images in your head too. I mean, I'll do my best to describe them for just the audio listeners too. All right. So we've got folks joining us. So we're going to jump on in here. Um, Laura, one of these is going to look real familiar to you on our first slide. Ooh, uh, familiar. One on the left. Yeah. That one on the left. What is that one on the left, Laura? Oh, it's a quiz. See, the teacher's quizzing me now, too. Um, that is the cover of your first book, correct? Mm -hmm. Crescent City Moon. It sure is. And so that photograph I took, and it became the cover of Crescent City Moon with um, a little graphic design help. Um, but that photograph, that this is just my, my photograph of Lafayette Cemetery. That's Lafayette Cemetery on the left. Lafayette Cemetery is in the Garden District. And if you take the, the St. Charles Streetcar, you get off at Washington Avenue, hang a left, and walk down a couple of blocks, you are going to come to Commander's Palace, which has some of the best food in town. And across the street is Lafayette Cemetery number one. And the cemetery on the right-hand side of this photograph, where you can see all of those things with that beautiful angel that's topping that tomb and lots of wrought iron. You'll see a lot of wrought iron gates around some of these um, tombs as well. That is St. Louis Cemetery number one. 
So numbered. They are numbered because there are several of them. And I don't know why they can, I know the St. Louis cemeteries and why they are numbered because they were the cathedral's cemetery. And so it's directly behind, like behind the French quarter, um, way, you know, straight back behind the cathedral, several blocks is where you'll find St. Louis cemetery number one. And of course, because it was St. Louis cathedral, that was the first cemetery that went with it. And then when they ran out of space there, then they have two and three. So and the so, parishioners, like only parishioners from that yes. cathedral. Okay, so you know mm -hmm. which church you went to. Right. Now, oh. there is a section in um, St. Louis Cathedral that actually has, there's a Protestant section because they had to bury the Protestants somewhere too. But the diocese still, you got, I mean, they, they got to go somewhere. Really? And well, they started trying to put them other places and it <laughs> oh. didn't work. Other places? <laughs> other places. I don't know where that is. Okay. Well, they tried to put them in the ground <laughs> and that didn't work. So the well, problem. Fungy down there. It, yes. Knowledge. Exactly. So that's part of the problem is the water table. So what we end up with are these monuments that are, they look like buildings all in a row. And each one of these buildings contains an entire family. And many generations of the family are buried in this building. Now, this building is you know slightly taller than I am. Yeah, I'm five feet tall. It's, it's taller than me, but certainly not enough to put, you know, sometimes 30, 40 people are buried in one oh. thing. So we're going to talk about how they accomplished that. That's a lot of people in there. It's a lot of people. And then you're going to see why this can also be a problem. But one of the reasons why they started to do this is because the water table is so high and anytime there's any flooding, it gets even higher. And so you're gonna bury people in the ground six feet under, right? What yeah. happens when the water is not six feet underground? <laughs> you got a they serious problem away. here. They, everything floats away. They do. They actually, the ground is so soft that as that water table rises, when there's a lot of rain, and of course it's Louisiana, there's a lot of rain, it actually will push anything that is underground up. And the, coffins were, were coming through the ground and rising up, literally rising up. That's so you would think that this right is, here. it is a horror story, right? And yeah. you would think it's an old problem, but there are areas that they find that, you know, certain events, certain hurricanes, certain, you know, places will flood and they'll realize that it's not just a French Quarter problem. Um, new places will have this happen. Um, I remember I was, I think I was between my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college. And there were, there was a hurricane. And a friend of mine that lived on the West Bank in New Orleans was telling me about things that were going on down there where after that hurricane, it hit a particular spot that it didn't normally flood. So here's what happened. The caskets of recently buried, you know, in the last, you know, 50, 60, 100 years, these people that they thought were in a reasonable place to put them in the ground came up. And not only did they come up, but the streets were so flooded that they were, there were coffins floating, floating down the street. The street. Well, guess what happens when they come to like a fenced in cul-de-sac? 
okay. They they stop and circulate. I don't yes. <laughs> around and around and around the green. Yes. So they're just gathering at the ends of these streets where this fence is. And they don't know where they came from. So, like, you don't know what cemetery no, they were originally really. in. You got to figure out who the people are, figure yeah. out where they were, and put them back. <laughs> if they had the St. Louis number one or number two on their casket, then you can put you them know. back where they belong. Then you would know. So now they've got to put all these people back. And this is fairly recent. I mean, this is, this is not that long ago that this was happening. So mm. you can see the need. Yeah. For these above ground champs. Yeah. And so yeah, they look really cool. They're they look really cool. awesome. Oh. And they're old and they're just creepy and spooky and beautiful. All of those things all at the same time. Yeah. But they didn't originate in New Orleans. The idea did not come from New Orleans. Where do I you think they got this. it? I kind of know this because okay. can I share my story? Yeah. I, was, I was vacationing in Europe with my parents when I was a teenager and we were in Salzburg, Austria from Sound of Music fame. Mm -hmm. And there was this walled area and there were candles burning inside of it. We were walking home late mm -hmm. and I go, Ooh, that's cool. I, what is that? So I crawled up and looked over the gate and it was, by golly, it was a cemetery. These mm -hmm. above ground cemeteries with all these like colored candles burning. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. The spookiest, the coolest. <laughs> I wanted to crawl over the top of that Rod iron gate, but I think it was a no-no. Oh, probably. But I, but I guess I my guess is going to be this started in Europe. It did. It absolutely did. And so this is something that the French settlers had seen, of course, all over Europe, and especially there was some in France as well. And so it solved a problem for them. They had two problems. One, the ground is too soft and the water table is too high to actually bury people in the ground. The second problem is the city of New Orleans at the time, and we've added a lot of land just by reclaiming land, but it was almost entirely surrounded by bayou and by water. So they don't have a lot of solid ground to build on anyway. So we can't go spreading people out in what little ground we could find anyway. We had to find a way to do this above ground and compactly. And so mm -hmm. this was actually a great solution for that. So here's how it works. All right. So here's your, here's your how to bury somebody in New Orleans lesson with Nola Nash. Welcome <laughs> to my TED Talk. <laughs> how to bury people in New Orleans. How to bury people. Now, my students always said I knew entirely too much about burying people. This might have been why. They're worried about you. They're worried about you. They are. So here's two pictures of tombs that are in various states of openness here in Lafayette Cemetery. And the one on the right that is completely open, this tomb is no longer in use. The family's moved away. They, they are no longer actually paying for the use of that space. And so the cemetery itself and the, the people who run that cemetery have decided to hold it kind of as a teaching moment, just to let people see how this actually works. And I took this picture shortly after explaining to a very confused couple who was standing there <laughs> kind of scratching their heads about what is this and why? So I told them exactly what I'm going to tell you. And then they asked me if I was a tour guide. 
no, no, I'm over here. Ooh, don't give um, I know. It's like, um, chuck it for another 20 it. bucks, I'll tell you, I'll show you the rest Great of the Great job for you, though, honestly. Yeah, and I'm being completely serious. It'd be a wonderful job. I think I would I really enjoy that. I love telling stories. I love telling stories about New Orleans. Yeah. So the one on the right is completely open. And what they would do, see that slab in the middle? That mm -hmm. slab in the middle is actually where they would put the wooden coffin. Okay, so they put the pine box in there, a person is dead, and you're like, well, what is the space down below? I'll get to that in just a second. So after they put the person in there, they are going to do several layers of sealing this tomb, and that's what's on the right, I mean, on the left over here. So you'll notice that there's brick and mortar, and then there's like another kind of layer of this like mortar kind of plastered on. And in that opening is where the marble, the carved marble, more tombstone that we think of with the date, names and dates of birth and death would go. And so when each person dies, they take off that marble piece that's engraved and they have to knock through all of this brick and mortar and they take it out in chunks. They put the body in, they seal it back up. But the first thing I have to do is do something with the body that was in there before. You can only bury one person at a time in these tombs. Well, you should. <laughs> you should. And there's a reason for that. But what? And we're going to get to what happens if somebody dies within this time frame here in just a second. So the diocese mandates a year and a day. There's lots of reasons for this. There's, you know, religious reasons and all those other things. But basically what happens here is it takes about a year and a day for the for the the natural cremation to occur. And in the Louisiana heat, this basically works as a, as a just crematorium. And so in the heat, the body and the coffin, everything turns to ash, just like it would if you were to cremate someone. The only thing that's left is anything that they might be buried with like a wedding ring, you know, jewelry, mm -hmm. things like that. And so before they bury the, the first, the next body in there, the, Grave workers go in and they gather up all of the ash and what's ever been buried with that person. They put it in a burlap bag. They tie it up and they label it and it gets pushed down to the back. And there's a slot back behind that slab in the middle where it'll drop back down and oh. it drops in there. And that's where generations of people are then buried and gathered there is in oh, the bottom part. Bags. They're mm -hmm. ashes and they're just kind of they're kind of piled in there in the bottom. Huh. Exactly. So you know you're gonna get pushed to the back and you might, you know, land on, you know, Uncle Ray, who's down there was died before well, you did. Didn't take kindly to you in life. Oh, you don't want to survive him. Exactly. <laughs> oh so, my goodness, that's interesting. I know it's like they're just all just kind of plopping down on top of each other in these burlap bags. Yeah. But you've got the space above and beneath, not only to for the bags together, but also so the heat will circulate, and so that cremation process is more effective. Wow. And so then they seal it back up again. They engrave the marble, put the marble back. And then you have to wait a year and a day. Well, now, part of what you might have seen when you were walking around and that walled cemetery, the reason why a lot of them are walled is because we actually need a place to store people. What if you die before a year and a day? 
<laughs> get put in what is so affectionately called wall ovens. <laughs> wall ovens. <laughs> wall ovens. Now, the, some people didn't have enough money for like the, the big monument. Well, they may have one of these wall ovens as well, but sometimes and very often these are used as a transient place. These are where people who are buried ahead of the, the die before they, the year of the day is up, especially things like yellow fever epidemics and things like this, they were used a lot. And so they had to put them somewhere. They put them in the wall. And Ooh. then after the year and a day, it's like renting space. <laughs> it's like dead people apartments. <laughs> it's like a really cool, funky dead people tenement, I guess, because they're just there for a short time. They go in, they go through that whole cremation process. <laughs> yeah. musical number time. Rent. <laughs> you know, jazz hands. I don't know. <laughs> so make a musical out of anything. You could make a musical out of this. And mm. what a musical it would be. It would be, you know, right up there with what Sweeney Todd. <laughs> it's probably yeah. really dark here. <laughs> Beetlejuice is now a musical, I've heard. Yeah. It is. My we were listening to it today in the car. Yeah, it's not bad. The song I heard anyway. So yeah, Beetlejuice is not just a whole lot of my Sharona. <laughs> that's all i think of beetlejuice and music and it's my sharona <laughs> no no it was uh yeah yeah it was uh, yeah anyway I don't, I know. Yeah. so you go in the tenement for a little while the wall ovens and the wall and so once your year and a day is up then they put you in the big monument with the next person and then it's a, it's ready for whoever's next and so it keeps going and so that's kind of the way it is all right, so this picture, this is that, that pretty picture again, kind of shows you how the monuments are just sort of put, like the family rents, you know, they, they buy the little plot, like you would buy a plot in a cemetery, and then they can put what they want on it. You know, so they build these things, and of course, people make really elaborate ones. They put little fences around them. They have urns and all kinds of things. But this one on the left over here, this picture on the left, this is basically the roster, like the manifest of all of the people who are buried in that tomb. Oh. So one of these smaller tombs that are kind of in this collection over here on the right-hand side, it'll have this manifest on it. And so you will have, it's just like any other tombstone, only you have a list of people instead of just one name. And it's got their dates and whoever they are. So that's how you know how many people are buried in here. And you may have dates that go way back in the 1700s all the way up to, you know, you may have somebody who died in, you know, 1963 that's in there if the family's still around. And basically they have to continue to pay for the upkeep of that monument. And it's kind of like paying rent for your, you know, your, your plot that you're going to be buried on. You, you're paying for the plot, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. you're going to be buried in the ground. Similar. You're paying for that. And so as long as it's being paid on by the family, you can continue to use it. And then if the family leaves, then it just becomes part of the historical society and things like that. Hmm. It's very, very cool. Now I've seen the comments over here. Oh, I haven't. Let me go and check. Hey. Yes, like the cemetery in Paris. Very yeah, good. I was wondering. Um Yes. We've got Kathy. Yep. Dead on. Dead on. And she's from Boston. She knows. And we've got Deborah. I love it when Deborah King comes. Y'all check out Deborah's books. She's amazing. Hi, Deborah. And Sylvia. Hi, Sylvia. Sylvia. Hi, friends. Friends joining us today. Now, commoners are not the only people who are buried here. Now, lots of famous people 
are buried in these cemeteries, particularly the St. Louis cemeteries. Who do you think might be the most popular person that people are going to want to go visit the grave of in the St. Louis cemetery? Number one. Um, well, the voodoo um, queen. Yes. What's her name? Um, Marie Laveau. Marie Laveau. Marie Laveau. Now, yes. this is not Marie Laveau's tomb, but people think it is. <laughs> oh, obviously. <laughs> because it looks like it should be Marie Laveau. So there's this whole thing about the like controversy around Marie Laveau's tomb. And they think that and even though she's her name is on the slab, where her, the rest of her family is like her common law husband that after you know, many, many years, they just kind of considered her married and she's buried with him. And her name is on that tomb. And it's right at the, when you first walk into St. Louis Cemetery, you go straight forward, you know, maybe five or six and it's on your left-hand side. And any tour guide giving tours will tell you where it is. But then they will also tell you, people say that that's not really where she's buried, that she's actually buried in this one, which seems to look a whole lot more like a voodoo queen should be buried there. And because of that, people have built a superstition around Marie Laveau. And if you want to pay homage to Marie Laveau or invoke her spirit for something, then you draw three X's on the tomb. I believe you knock three times and there's something else that you do. I can't remember what it is. I know you leave an offering and then you ask for her help, which must be really interesting to whoever is really buried here. <laughs> So I kind of imagine their spirit going, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> Another know? musical number. Wrong yeah. spot, wrong spot. Keep moving, keep moving. Oh, yeah. The whole song about I'm not Marie. It's going to come together soon. Mm -hmm. So we're going we're gonna to work on our musical. And then we're going to talk about, now, I know this show is Dead Folks Tales. And we talk about dead people, right? So yeah. that's kind of the whole thing is let's talk about dead people. Well, we've talked about a lot of dead people. Let's talk about one that's not dead. However, they're well prepared for when they are. Not only did this person own the Leilari mansion for a little while before they went bankrupt in their career tanked, which everybody attributes to the curse of the Leilari mansion, one of the most haunted houses in the French Quarter and a despicable story we'll talk about on another episode. But this dude decided he liked New Orleans so much, he went ahead and had his tomb built for some reason in the shape of a white pyramid which Ooh. looks nothing like anything else in the cemetery. So it sticks out like a sore thumb. Do you know who that is? Uh, uh, no. All right. I if I said national treasure, do uh, you know Nicholas who it is? Cage? It is. It's Nicholas oh, Cage. Nick Cage. That he would do. That is something he would do. <laughs> it's such a Nick Cage move, yeah. right? I mean, it's yeah. totally a Nick Cage move. I would never have guessed that. No, so that's without you giving me So that's Nick Cage's pyramid, but it, it gets worse. It's pristine and white, right? Mm -hmm. Well, just like the X's on the Marie Laveau tomb, people leave little mementos for Nick Cage, who's not buried there either. <laughs> Invoking his spirit. I guess. <laughs> Women put on red lipstick 
and kiss the white pyramid oh. and leave white and leave red lip marks on the Ooh. white pyramid. Well, they've had to really kind of cut down on the like only guided tours can go through now. So no more red, no more X's can be drawn on that Marie tomb and no more red lips can be put on Nick Cage's tomb when he's not actually buried there. So <laughs> we've got that going on, which is hilarious. And, you know, kind of fun all at the same time. Nick Cage is not here. <laughs> Nobody's here. <laughs> the empty tomb, you know, pining for Nick Cage, who's not there, not there at all. No, I mean, I'm assuming the part of his bankruptcy did not include his losing his tomb because his name is still on it. It still says Nicholas Cage. Oh, and so that's what it plans to be in there someday. He does someday. Yeah. He'll be there someday around the there. corner from Marie Laveau and the sort of kind of Marie Laveau looking tomb. Uh, but there's lots of great things that are, that go on in the cemetery and, and, the common lore is, and you know, you have people who think cemeteries are really haunted and there's like all these, you know, spooky things and, you know, people tell you stories about walking in the cemeteries and that's kind of cool. But most people in New Orleans will, and you know, if they're really truly a spiritualist, they will tell you that the cemeteries are not where the spirits live. That's not where they are. The cemeteries are where their bodies rest, but their spirits are going to be wherever they died or a spot that is that was important to them in life. Mm -hmm. The cemetery is not where they where they're going to hang out. They're going to go hang out among the living. If they're going to stick around here, yeah. why would they hang out with the dead? They would just go to the other side, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's there's you know if, if you want to get into the logic of it, it makes sense to me, right? Uh -huh. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to hang out with dead people when there's living people I can go haunt. I mean, Unless all of them are up and hanging out, then it's a party. Then it's a cemetery party, and you got to hope they do that. So some of the things that people leave because, you know, they're trying to connect with the dead. They will leave trinkets, of course, for Marie Laveau, and they, they're leaving all of those offerings and things. But they will also leave things like shots of whiskey, or they'll sit and have a drink with that person and leave the bottle for them, cigarettes, um, tokens. If it's a baby, they'll leave baby toys, um, little things like that. So it's kind of neat to walk around and yeah. see all the little tokens like and gifts that are left. I like, always like to walk around cemeteries. I think they're fabulous. And I you have a story to tell us about a different cemetery. So I've told you about New Orleans cemeteries and why they are the way they are, but you've got a haunted story that ties into some people in your books that yes. I want to let you tell now. Yes, my books. Um, well, An Evening in the Yellowwood, which is my first book, there's a murder mystery sur surrounding um, a family known as Ebersole. And I, this is, I had gotten a box this is like from a friend of mine who was an auctioneer or worked for an auctioneer and she, it was kind of like storage wars. She bid on this box, had no idea what was in it. And then she That's opened cool. it and she found all of this information on an old murder that took place in a town, um, the town called Decatur, which is, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes from where I live. And it had happened in 1879. It was a, um, a man and his wife, kind of sad because they had just lost a child. Oh. Like, I think the child was maybe one years old and it had died. And now she was pregnant again um, for the second time now when she was, when they were murdered. They, there was a knock oh, at the door. I know, so sad. Late at night, they didn't, well, they, they think they don't know who it was, but the husband went to answer the door. Um, he was shot right where he stood the wife grabbed a gun because she must have suspected something and dropped it 
for some reason and ran through the house and the guy ran through the house shooting at her and finally killed her in a back bedroom. I know. And, um, it was like kind of an unsolved mystery at the time they had, they had, um, the, the murderer took the fastest horse. If any of you have read my book, you're, you're going to see the similarities between Mm -hmm. the murder in my, my book and this real murder. And they never, um, found him. They found the horse in South Bend, which is where Notre, Notre Dame is. Um, I don't know, maybe an hour or two from where this house was. They never found the guy. So they figured he must have known which horse was the fastest. He must have known the family. But they never found out who he was. And this this husband and wife, Esther and Charles mm-hmm. Morris. I have their picture here. Yeah. Look at that couple. Oh, she, her face. This is a picture that I pulled out of this box. And her face just haunted me. I couldn't. She looks so sad. She looks almost sad even there, doesn't she? She does. Like she's almost on the verge of tears. And you had another picture of her too. She was looking the other direction and she just looks sad in both pictures. She did. And she haunted me. And so I based the character of Esther Ebersole, who is very kind of important through all three of the books um, on this Esther Morris and then her husband, Charles and their unknown murderer, but they are buried in a little cemetery called the Anderson Cemetery. I've got pictures. Here we go. I just, I'm just haunted by her and fascinated by her. And the fact that she was pregnant at the time and that she Mm -hmm. just lost a child just adds to that layer of sadness. I mean, that may be the sadness you see in her eyes, but this, this, this cemetery um, is in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of spooky. And on the, anniversary date of their murder which is september the 28th this tombstone is supposed to glow (gasps) so yeah i mean i've had actually one of my readers is from this area and she said she's been out there and she did not see it glow did she go on the right day she did she went on september 28th and she didn't see anything but you you know we have to debunk it or I'm going to have to prove it. So yeah. September is, uh, I don't even know. Oh. I have teacher brain. I don't even know what day it is. I don't know. I don't know what year it is. Um, <laughs> September is coming, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not in September yet. What month? Is not it? yet. August. We're in August. <laughs> Middle of August next still. <laughs> month, next month, I think I'm going to go check it out. I don't I have a calendar right here too. Let's see what the date of September 28th is. It's a Tuesday. Tuesday. So, you need to do a live when you do that. We should that. do you a live. live. There. What did that mean? Ooh. Ooh. That would be that'd be pretty late though. It'd probably be, be pretty late. Nine o'clock in an old cemetery. It's okay. I think Ooh. we can do that. We need to go live and do that. Okay. We could do a special event, Dead Folks Tales, live with Laura Kemp in a cemetery. Yeah, that would I, be I cool. should do it. Like ghost hunters. Yes. When they, when they put the camera, they attach the camera to their. Uh-huh like headgear and then let's do it i'll be commenting in your ears and you just like <laughs> you tell us what you see i'll be the person that's watching the monitor downstairs we gotta do it okay let's yeah. let's 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 make plans i think that would be fun wouldn't that be cool yeah who wants to see it tell us tell us yes put it in the comments and do you want to see us do a live from the glowing tombstones and the morrises and charles morris and the house that was once there that the murder took place in is now gone somebody burned it it was was destroyed by arson in the 1960s but most of the people in the area remember who are older remember going to the murder house and the bullet holes were supposedly still in the big tree 
And I did meet the guy who chopped down the tree after the house burned, and he said he saw them. This guy was like 80 years old. He said, yeah, I chopped down that tree. And he said, I did see the bullet holes. I saw holes in that tree that looked like bullet holes because the yeah. guy was running through the house shooting at her, mm-hmm. went out the windows and hit this tree. So, yeah. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. All right. If you guys want to see us do that, put that in the comments. Whether oh, you're on Facebook, YouTube, anywhere, put them in the comments. Tell us if you want to see us do this because I think this would be a lot of fun. Special edition Dead Folks Tales. It's a Tuesday. Let's do this. Yes. It must have been meant to be that it was on a Tuesday. So there you go. It's a Tuesday. We can do it. Totally do it. All right. We got we got folks already saying they want to do it. Oh, Deborah's got a story about a cemetery too. <laughs> Visits with Santa and Easter egg hunts in the cemetery in Chicago. Deborah, I would have to go. Do you have any other kid that you could bring, like, just to go as an adult now? I would want to go. On Santa's lap in the cemetery. I mean, that's new. Let's do it. All right. Amanda says yes. Kathy says yes. Absolutely. All right. So keep those comments coming, and we will see if we actually go live for that event. Laura, tell folks where to find you before we have to wrap up here and, and get to our, our theme music, our Bayou Moon over here. You can theme find music. me on Facebook at Laura Kemp Author, but Kemp Camp is where you're going to want to hang out if you're on Facebook because I'm yes, yes, you do. <laughs> it's so fun at Kemp Camp. That's my second job. And then um, El Kemp writes on Instagram and I just opened a TikTok account. Did you? I have not done that yet. I'm, I'm afraid of TikTok. I, I am too, but you know, I think that my might try some ticking and talking. And I'm uh, I'll come rights. I'll come right there too. I figure nobody really wants to hear what I have to say in those little like. <laughs> I don't know. There's some cool stuff going on for authors on TikTok. Is there? There's some cool stuff. All know? right. I'm, I may have to bite the bullet and do it. Speaking of shooting people. <laughs> I'm going to have to have some help from my children for that. And yes, they, she's going to look too. a horror on their face when I said I was on TikTok. They were like, oh. I, I mentioned that to my kids and they went, Mom, no. Yeah, no. They don't want me anywhere on TikTok. No, it's like, you know, invasion. Well, it's like oh, what happened to Facebook and then Instagram, you know, the grownups got on and it wasn't cool for the kids mom. anymore. <laughs> said, mom, you're a Facebook mom. Yes, that's what I was talking about. Mom takes pictures of her food or yes. whatever. Yeah. Don't get on TikTok. I was told not to do that. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm there. I am my own woman and I will get on TikTok if I want to. <laughs> if I want so right <laughs> all right well Laura you and I need to schedule another BYOB which is another one of the little yeah. live chats that Laura and I do where we just talk about anything um so be on the lookout for that we'll have another one of those coming we like to do those about once a month where yeah. she talks about books and I drink um that's sort of my MO on that show um she tells me what she's reading and I'm going I haven't read anything lately so I'm just gonna drink here um, it's a lot of fun <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be bring your own books. I bring my booze. We're good. And it's, it's a balanced and show. And boys. We talk boys. Got to talk about boys. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We'll get one of those scheduled, and maybe we'll do this little ghost hunt from there. I'm excited. I think we absolutely should. Absolutely. All right. So those of you who have been joining us live, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching after the fact or listening after the fact, we appreciate you as well. And join us next time as we talk about dead people. You gotta meet it.